It is time to unveil my best bet season win totals for the upcoming college football season next right here on Michigan Podcast. But there's going to be one team that's going to play solely as a team. No man is more important than the team. No coach is more important than the team. The team, the team, the team. Looks deep for Anthony Waits for it. Yes, Brady gets terrific. Throws it and a touchdown night again. Schultz just before Brazil got it. And a leaping interception by Woodson. Harbaugh back to throw over the middle. Caught by Colazar to five on his feet. Touchdown, Michigan. Seven, 179 pounds, a junior at Michigan. But Jamie Morris packs a wallop, and he delivers for Bo Schembechler. And here's your first play. Pressure coming, sack. It is Glenn Steele, number 81, who fought his way through the traffic. Option. And Robinson calls his own number, and he's going to score. Oh, an easy touchdown for Robinson and Michigan. championship again because we're going to play as a team and when we play as a team and the old season is over you and I know it's going to be Michigan again Michigan. Go Blue, I'm Steve Dace. Welcome to this week's episode of Michigan Podcast. If you have been one of our Patreon supporters, this is going to be old hat to you. But for those of you that are not, you get your first glimpse of my best bet season win totals for the 2023 college football season. Why do you want to take a look at these? Because historically, since I started doing these in 2017, they have been pretty good. How good? Take a look at this. 29, 14, and 1. 29, 14, and 1. That is 66%. You can you can have a nice vacation on 66%. So with that as the lead-in, here are my 10 win total best bets for this coming college football season. We're going to start with BYU. I'm going to go over four and a half. I think when you look at the walk-on program there, which they are using, like Michigan, frankly, to circumvent the scholarship limits via NIL, you look at how many uh, times per year they've, as an independent or as a group of five team over the years, they have played power five teams. I think they're far more prepared to break in for a power five schedule in a place like the Big 12 than, say, Cincinnati or Houston happens to be. So I will take BYU over four and a half. Next, Team Michigan saw last year. I'm going to go over four and a half with Colorado State. They have hit the transfer portal hard. I really like Jay Norvell as a coach. 
This is one of, along with Boise State, maybe one of the best uh, equipped from an administrative uh, and, and facilities and resources standpoint programs in the Mountain West, probably right up there again with Boise State, San Diego State. They got better as the year went on. We saw them early in the year with a lot of new faces. I think they go over four and a half in Jay Norvell's second year and get to a bowl game. Speaking of a team that Jay Norvell played for in college, I'm going to go over seven and a half for the Iowa Hawkeyes. Frankly, I think this is stealing. Now, pretty much every year, Iowa's win total, like for the last 20 years, has almost always been seven and a half or eight. But man, they got a competent quarterback, more than a competent quarterback in our very former, our very own former quarterback, Cade McNamara. And look at that schedule. There, there are not a lot of L's on that schedule. You know, under Phil Parker, they will play some defense. So I like Iowa over seven and a half this year. Sticking in the Big Ten, I had Indiana over three and a half last year, and that cashed. This year, I'm going under four for Indiana. I think they are by far the worst team in our league heading into the season. I think Tom Allen is dead man walking, and I just don't see five wins on that schedule. To me, the worst I do is a push. And if you can find, anytime you can find a season win total where you think the worst you're going to do is a push, it is very tempting to take that. And so I'm going to. Mississippi State, I was on them last year. I had them over six and a half last year. This year, I'm going under six and a half. I think the coaching change there with the tragic, with the sudden death of Mike Leach, who died suddenly right before the bowl game uh, and now changing to Zach Arnett who's unproven he's a defensive guy wants to run more of a, a different more conventional balanced kind of an offense which basically will take your best player Will Rogers and diminish uh, his ability to impact the game they lost quite a bit in the transfer portal they're in the toughest division in college football except maybe the Big Ten East I'm going under, under six and a half with Mississippi State Old Dominion this is another where I just don't see five wins on the schedule. Uh, I, I, I just don't. I, to me, I think, and with the half, I don't see a push here. I, I, I like this one a lot. I think this is one of the weaker rosters in the group of five. They are also moving up in class to the American Athletic Conference. Um, I, I just don't think they're ready to win five games playing in that league. Going back to the Big Ten, I'm going under five and a half with Purdue. Boilermakers lost an absolute ton from their team uh, that uh, finally got to the Big Ten championship game a year ago and including their head coach, Jeff Brom. Now you're going to Ryan Walters. You went from an offensive underkin to a defensive underkin. I don't understand the hype for Hudson Card. I watched him play several times at Texas. I kind of just thought he was meh. So I think a transition year for Purdue. I don't see this team getting to a bowl game, so I'm going under the five and a half. Speaking of, I don't see a way to lose. This could at worst be a push. I'm going Rice under five. I think you're getting value here because Rice did get to a bowl game, which they do about once every 15 to 20 years. They did get to a bowl game last year, but that was via the APR exception. They don't bring back as much production as you think. Yes, they're bringing in JT Daniels, who is now on his, what, fourth school. I I, I don't care. I, I just... I don't see Rice getting to six wins. I think the worst that I do here, again, is the push. And when you've got a win total where you think at best, or at worst, I should say, you're going to push, I think you have to be really aggressive in taking a look at that. So I'm going to do that with the Rice Owls, under five. Let's go to one of the teams last year that really shook up the sport and was one Hendon Hooker injury away from probably being in the college football playoff. That's Tennessee. I'm going Tennessee under nine and a half because I've seen Joe Milton play at two different schools. And I saw why Hendon Hooker beat him out for the job. Yes, I know what he did in the bowl game last year. I, 
I just don't trust Joe Milton week to week. Behind him is a true freshman, and Tennessee lost a ton. Uh, they, they lost a lot to the NFL draft. Uh, I, I think you're getting a good value here because of how much they surprised last year, so that number's a little inflated. Um, I'm going under 9.5 with Tennessee. I think they're probably an 8-4, and four, at best, 9-3 and three team. I'm going to go under 4.5. If you don't know that logo, it's because you probably have a life, unlike me. That is the logo of the glorious Texas State Bobcats. No longer the fighting Jake Spavitals. It doesn't matter. I don't see that team getting to five wins either. So I'm taking under four and a half with Texas State. And that'll do it. Those are my 10 season win total best bets for the 2023 college football season. We'll come back. We'll find out what our good friend Mark Rogers thinks about those 10 picks. And then we'll discuss something that has not happened in many a moon. Michigan and Ohio State have the same preseason win total. When was the last time that happened? We'll discuss which one is more likely to go under when we come back. All right, let's get some reaction from our good friend and perhaps the world's only reasonable bucknut, Mark Rogers, who, man, he looks good with that Michigan uh, helmet over his shoulder, Mark. That, that's just a, that's a natural fit right there, brother. That looks it's great. Also- it's a framing issue, Steve, is what it is. I never know what you're going to do to manipulate my shot. There we go. A little bit better. There we go. <laughs> we bring some, some, uh, some real gear into the, into the picture. Very nice. Mark has a fantastic college football channel, and I'm telling you, particularly this time of year, with things like win totals and future bets to get ahead of markets, to get a lot of information. They've got correspondents and reporters and analysts and, uh, and, and, and team people from all across the sport all over the country on his channel, the voice of college football on YouTube. Make sure you don't miss it. So Mark, uh, I have been doing season win totals here since 2017 in the last five years, I am 29, 14 and one. That's 66%. I rolled out with 10 season win total best bets. This is the most I've ever had. I typically have around six to eight, but there's just, there were too many I liked that I just could not say no to which ones stood out to you the most, either that you agreed with the most or disagreed with the most. I hope your audience appreciates that 29 and 14 uh, in these win totals. That's that's uh, tough against the biggest number. So I'm going to go with the power five, as you might imagine. I'm I'm discarding uh, these Texas states and the old dominions of the world and going straight to the power five. So there are three, Steve, that I love, one that I hate, mm. one that I'm leaning your way and one that I'm leaning against. Nice. You. OK, OK, you. BYU is going to be fascinating, of course, with the move to the Big 12. I have often said in analyzing schedules offseason that BYU used to play the most bizarre schedule, but now they're in a league, so more of a uniform schedule. There's no K-State, there's no UCF on the BYU schedule. You've got them at over four and a half, and of course, that would be laughable typically with BYU playing their typical independent schedule. But this was one of the worst defenses in the country, but it was also one of the better offenses in the country. A lot of high-scoring games last year. They bring in Keaton Slovis to replace Jaron Hall. And just looking at the schedule and trying to get to that five number, they've got two gimmies out of conference that gets them uh, 40% of the way there. I just think you're in good shape with BYU at at least five and seven. So I love that one. Uh, Purdue at under five and a half. 
Uh, Ryan Walters, I think, is an up-and-comer. I think he's going to have a good stay at Purdue. I hear good things about him, but this first season is going to be rough. I credit Purdue. They've got an interesting out-of-conference schedule where they don't play a murderer's row. They don't play an elite It, it might program. be the toughest non-conference schedule in the Big Ten, actually. Yeah, they, they have no gimmies, none. They've got to go on the road to Blacksburg with Virginia Tech down, but still it's on the road. Fresno State. Uh, one of the tougher group of five opponents you're going to have to face. And then, of course, Syracuse, whom they lost to last year. So that's a rough out-of-conference schedule. Then Ohio State and Michigan. Yes, the under five and a half, I think you're solid there. I'm right there with you. They just were obliterated from a personnel standpoint on offense, losing Charlie Jones and Aiden O'Connell. And, of course, Jeff Brom, I think one of the best offensive minds in football to, 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 just to just to just to itemize that with purdue looking at that non-conference schedule if they lose one of those games they now have to go, to go over and they could very well they open against fresno state and jeff tedford you mentioned it syracuse syracuse is actually bringing a little bit more back than i think people realize including the quarterback garrett schrader all right so if they even lose one of those games mark then they have to they have to have a winning record in the league with a with a conference schedule that includes both Ohio State and Michigan. All right. So good luck with that. I, I think that's a pretty good bet, actually. Yeah, I, I really do too. I really love that one with Purdue. And then the other one would be Tennessee. Uh, again, I like Josh Heupel. I think he's doing mm-hmm. good things overall. However, they may really mess Hendon Hooker with your old buddy Joe Milton taking over a quarterback who looked good. Uh, in spot starts, spot duty last year until the bowl game against Clemson. Then he performed extremely well. So if we get that version of Joe Milton, who knows? But when you look at Georgia and then a trip to Alabama, that's already two on the board. They're going to trip up somewhere else. Tennessee is going to, yes, hit that under nine and a half. Okay, here's the one that I hate. Iowa, you're taking a shot at Iowa going seven and five. Under seven and a half for the Hawkeyes. No, I'm going over. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, I messed that up. That's so all I right. I love everything you've got. I was going to crush you on that no, one. To, the, the Iowa over seven and a half, I think, is almost stealing money. I think it's almost yes. free money. Okay. That's 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 where I thought, okay, I'm sorry. I misinterpreted that one. I missed that's okay. That because, oh, my goodness, Michigan State's at home. Purdue, Northwestern, Rutgers, better quarterback play. Yes. I mean, absolutely. to me, to me, Iowa, Iowa will improve even if their defense takes a step back given what they lost, which is very possible. All right. Let, let's say the defense the, on defense, they're, they're still going to be a top 20, 25 defense in every metric. That's just historically, you know, Phil Parker will do that. They may not be number one in the country in the in the in the metrics again, but they'll still be top 20, top 25. So let's say, let's say that's a difference of four to five points a game on defense. Is, is, can Cade McNamara make them four to five points better on offense? Absolutely. I don't think Cade McNamara is, you know, Mr. Air Raid, although he broke every passing record in the state of Nevada. What he is, though, is competent. He's about the perfect quarterback that Iowa could ask for, given its system. He knows where the guys line up. He knows how to distribute the ball. Doesn't make a lot of mistakes. He's a leader of men. Guys play hard for him. They love him. He had the, he had the offensive guys, I think, out, and he paid for him to go out in, to California via NIL to work out with him here during the offseason. I mean, I, I, think he, I, think, I think people are way underselling the upgrade he is at quarterback. And, I, and I've really thought a lot about it too, Mark, watching Sam Laporta 
with my Detroit Lions in, in, in OTAs. Just they are raving about him. Like he's just like, dude, they feel like they drafted Travis Kelsey, basically. This is a guy that has one touchdown catch in his college career. And that's because of how bad the quarterback play was. Something like they, they threw like five total touchdown passes since October of 2021. Five since October of 2021 or some crazy stat like that. It's historically awful has been the Iowa offense. And I think McNamara will be a tremendous upgrade over what they had with Spencer Petrus. And I, I think Luke Lachey and Eric Hall, if that back holds up, Michigan didn't think it would, so they wouldn't clear him. But if, the, if that back holds up, that, two, that tight end duo of Lachey and all, that's going to be difficult to handle now. I, and so I think they can make up, even if the defense does take a bit of a step back and they give up four to five points more a game, I think they'll score four to six more points per game just with competency at that position. We recorded one of my favorite segments ripping on Brian Ferentz. So maybe we've <laughs> got to go back to the old Michael Jordan, Dean Smith joke of, you know, who's the only man in America. Right. Keep Michael, Michael Jordan, Jordan or 20 points. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe that this applies. Brian Ferentz would be the only man that can get away with uh, holding Iowa under its uh, seven and a half win total in Vegas. He might be the guy that uh, that can be the only guy that could mess this up. But I, I agree with you. I jumped on that one when I saw it. So I misread that. So I'm on board across the board. Indiana is a lean for me. I'm not as confident as you with the under at four because of the two automatic out of conference wins. They are a bit, I don't want to say a mess at quarterback, but very uncertain, very inexperienced. They bring in a highly touted kid, Tapin Jackson from Tennessee. I'm going to lean against you though on Michigan, uh, Mississippi State at six and a half. They're historically better than that. Of course, they lose Mike Leach, which is an enormous loss, but they're basically four and oh out of conference, unless Arizona can come into Starkville and steal a win. So they grab four out of conference wins pretty easily. And I just think Will Rogers is still the quarterback and they still have a tremendous talent on defense. I think they're a really good team. And so I'm leaning the other way on Mississippi State. That would be the only power five where I would gun to head. I'm going against you. What's interesting is you chose the two that you are questioning are opposite of two best bets that I had cash for me last year. I had Indiana over three and a half. They did get to the. They did get that fourth win, and I had Mississippi State over six and a half, which they did go over last year. So I'm going against both of those this year, um, and those are the two that you disagree with. All right, let's talk about something that has not occurred in uh, in, in many 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 orbits around the sun of uh, this planet. Okay, Michigan and Ohio State have the exact same preseason win total mark, off the ten and a half. Off the top of your head, can you think of the last time that was the case? I would think going into 2005, I don't know what the exact win totals are, but in regards to how these teams being evaluated to be, you know, somebody has always had the upper hand almost 90. That's the thing about this rivalry I think a lot of people don't understand yeah. is other than Bo versus Woody, this has actually been a rivalry of swings. This has not been a rivalry where both teams are – you know, um, sitting in, you know, uh, you know, Ali and Frazier in the middle of the ring exchanging haymakers. Typically one has has gone on a streak against the other, except for the 10 year war, which is why it, it is discussed in such reverent tones here uh, still to this day. And that's a good analogy. Uh, of course, Ohio State would be Ali, a little bit more flair, a little bit more, <laughs> more style there than Smoke and Joe. But uh, 2005, 
is the first year that comes to mind here. Michigan coming off a Big Ten championship, but losing big in Columbus and Ohio State, gearing up with Troy Smith and obviously he surpassed expectations but I would think that maybe in 2005 would have been the last time that they were on equal footing of course everyone's going to go to 06 I understand yeah, but Michigan that. came off a seven and five season in 2005 yeah, exactly. they would not have had the win total Ohio State did yeah. yeah exactly yeah I mean Michigan was actually preseason top five I think uh in 2005 because we lost that game early on uh Charlie Weiss's first year I think we were number three or number four in the country. We lost to Notre Dame at home because everybody, because we brought back Henny and Hart from that uh, 04 Rose Bowl team. But that may be the last time Michigan had a higher win total than Ohio State, I'm guessing. But I just can't think of a time that both of them were considered at this, at this level um, going into the same season, at least not in recent memory. Um, maybe 03. Actually, I was going to guess 03. Ohio State coming off the national championship and, and Michigan was preseason top five heading into that season as well. And both of them had a lot coming back from the 2 game. So I was thinking maybe it was 3 That would go back 20 years. All right. Even if you're right, we're, we're, we're right in that neighborhood. So we're talking a whole different decade plus since. So then here's the follow-up question. Which team do you think is more likely to hit the under? Ohio State's more likely to hit the under because of the schedule, the trip to Wisconsin, the trip to Notre Dame, the the more question marks. I, I still it's think when the that, Wisconsin trip is too. It's right after hosting Penn State, right? Then you go on the road. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I, I just think there's more question marks surrounding this team. Uh, I think that they're a boomer bust team, not to some great extreme, but. They're more boomer bust. I'm more confident in where Michigan's going to land. I think Ohio State still, much like we saw in the playoffs last year, the potential to exceed Michigan, but Michigan's the sure bet. Ohio State offensive line, quarterback, secondary, just so many questions for an elite team uh, versus with Michigan. They're slow and steady, and I know who they are. Where's Penn State fit into this? That is great because I am working through predictions right now. I'm going to As go against yeah. my nature. My nature is to wait until the, the night before the season starts. That's when I like to unveil it. I like to wait until the very last second. <laughs> That's not good for business. You got to get the predictions right, out early right. so people can take them in. So I'm going to force myself to go there. And I tend to default to this 11 and 1, 11 and 1, 11 and 1 log jam, but I. I think Penn State's going to trip up elsewhere. I think they're going to lose two games in conference. And also keep in mind, Steve, I don't know if I brought this up to you. I noticed years ago that the Street and Smiths and the Athlons of the world are too conservative on their predictions. So I start to I started to track how many programs from season to season in the Power Five either increased by at least three wins or decreased by at least three wins. Last season, it was 27 of the 65. Now, that's high. That's on the high end. It's usually in the 18 to 20 range. I, by nature, am conservative, just like these publications. So I typically, oh, they're 7 and 5 last year. Eh, they're going to go 8 and 4. They're a little bit better. No, there are usually wild swings in win totals. So you got to go find and try to be a visionary and find those. And that's so much of what you accomplish uh, is exactly that, looking at the trends in terms of the talent trends and the production trends, and then match that against the schedule. And that's why you do such a nice job against the win totals. And that's something I need to do better at 
because I tend to be conservative with these projections, but I've tracked this from year to year. We can count on about 18 to 20 teams and maybe even more so with the influx of the four coming in to the Big 12 of that type of, think of it, a six and six goes to a nine and three or a six and six goes to a three and nine. What I consider, and I just arbitrarily set that as a standard because I think it's reasonable to think, okay, that's a, that's a strong move either to the north or to the south, an increase or decrease in wins from year to year. And it's it's a, about a third of Power 5 football from season to season has that kind of move. Over the last 20-plus years, Mark, on average, almost exactly three teams in the preseason AP Top 10 don't finish in the final Top 25. So that's nearly a third, just to go to the variance that you're talking about. I have put – my power ratings for the preseason are completed. I am – I'm still going through, you know, and and projecting what they mean for the season. I've done I'm I'm on my like fifth round. I typically don't go past past four, but I've I am really struggling with the Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State logjam that you just described, and here's why. My power ratings have Michigan and Ohio State almost power rated exactly even. Um, uh, um, but the, but with the game being at Michigan and the advantage at the quarterback position, I'd probably have Michigan like a four to five point favorite in the game. But right now, I only have Michigan like a point better than Ohio State overall in a power rating. So even on a pretty basically flip of a coin on a neutral field. I have Penn State a good four to five points behind Michigan and Ohio State. But I have Penn State like eight to ten points better than every other team in the Big Ten. You know, and so that's that's. (laughs) And Michigan's got to go there. It's hard to go 12 and 0 two years in a row. You know, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I, you know, and, and you look for places where Penn State could slip up. So I mentioned earlier, you guys got to go play Wisconsin on the road in Madtown, probably at night. The week after you have to play Penn State. That's a classic great spot for a letdown against, you know, the one of your own alums. Right. Well, Maryland gets to host Penn State before they we get we go there. That is a great letdown spot. But, dude, do you know what the history of Maryland and Penn State is? All right. I mean, it's Chris Christie at salad bars, all right? And, I mean, they own that. They own them. Like, they just and – and they don't just beat Maryland, Mark. They, like, eliminate them. They, like, humiliate them. They emasculate them. I mean, they, they have been playing each other for over 100 years. I think Maryland's won, like, six or seven times, like, ever. And so I'm having a hard time pulling that plug because, I mean, I, I've got Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State a double-digit favorite in every single game except when they play each other. I've got Ohio State like an 11-point favorite at Notre Dame. You know? So I, I, I'm, I'm struggling trying to figure out. I have the same problem in the ACC. I actually have Clemson. I've got them power-rated well above Florida State, actually. But I have Florida State power-rated well above everybody else, you know? So and 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 LSU about three points better than them on a neutral field, you know. So uh, there's a lot of that, and I'll tell you the toughest team I'm having a hard time with is Alabama, mm. because I have them power rated the absolute second best team in the SEC, but I have them with the seventh best quarterback in the SEC. Last year they had the <laughs> best quarterback. Quarterback. No, dude, dude, think about this. Alabama's quarterback might be the guy that its new OC recruited over 
and he that he that's when they went out and got Sam Hartman. They recruited over him. The guy that they did he didn't want, he may be stuck with as his quarterback this year. And why does that matter? Well, they had the number one quarterback in the draft, and they lost two games last year and two other games that he won for him. He he pulled those out at the in the last minute. They could have gone eight and four last year or twelve and zero. When you've got that kind of variance and you're questionable at quarterback, I don't I don't know what to do with Alabama either, Mark. So I'm I'm I am really struggling right now to come up with. By now, I would normally have everything done. It's just a matter of writing it. I don't even have everything done yet, Mark. I ranked Alabama number ten in the SEC at quarterback. Wow. Yeah. Now, now you saying that I'm going to go after later today, I'm going to go back and look at my power ratings and wonder, did I overrate them? Actually, if you have them at 10. Well, it's, it's similar to an Ohio state situation at quarterback, but with less security in my opinion, See, I factor that in the, the, what will the players around them be like? Right. So the quarterback himself might be the 10th best quarterback, but Tyler Buckner will be better at Alabama throwing to their receivers than he would have been at Notre Dame. I don't think it'd be that great, but he'll be better with that talent around him is what, how I do it. And that's what I'm ranking. I'm ranking the 10th best quarterback, not the 10 best projection of statistics. Mm-hmm. It's going to be better than that. Yes, I am. I am taking like Tom Brady, taking him to the worst team in the league. To me, he's still Tom Brady. I'm still going to try to peel all that away and rank him accordingly, okay. not based on a statistical projection. But Alabama's tough to navigate there because they have not been in this situation since the game changed with the up-tempo and the spread and all the passing. They are back in, and and I don't want to compare these guys or raise them to the level of Greg McElroy or A.J. McCarron because they were good at what they did. Milrow, uh, Jalen Milrow against Arkansas and Texas A&M was pretty awful last season. Mm-hmm. And Tyler Buckner is a guy that threw three picks in the Gator Bowl last year. And had three They're, touchdowns. The, the other two, court, him, uh, Mil, uh, Milrow and Simpson were terrible in the, in the, on A-Day in the spring game. Tell me right now who Alabama's number one tailback and number one receiver is. Do you know? For sure? Well, I know the guys. I know players. But no, they've yeah. moved from where they've been secure at running back and having two NFL just studs to a bunch of guys that were highly ranked that haven't proven much. Mm-hmm. The same thing a wide receiver. Now, this has been an ongoing issue now going back to when John Mechie and Jamison Williams went down. I knew they were in trouble last year at watching the Texas game. When I saw those receivers could not get separation against the Texas secondary, that's when I thought, oh, this is not going to be the team of the century that they were billed to be heading into the season. And that that proved itself out. They 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 couldn't even get to the SEC championship game with the number one overall pick in the draft and the number one defensive player picked in the draft. Wrestling with LSU and Alabama. I'm wrestling with Texas because I'm not a Sark fan. I don't believe uh, in him. Funny but you should. Yeah. So much better. I, than so, dude, biggest dude, gap between them and the rest of the league than any team in I the com- country. Dude, no, I'm glad you said that. My power ratings have the exact same thing. And I looked at myself and I'm like, no, no. I rolled my eyes. I'm like, this can't. I, I tried to fix it. I tried to. I tried to rig it. <laughs> right? I'm like, but you. But in, because I break them down by conference, because at least 50 percent of your or, or almost or 70 percent of the schedule you'll play every year, except for Notre Dame, is against your own league. And even Notre Dame plays like 42 percent of its schedule against the ACC every year. So how it stacks up with the ACC is where I put them in my power ratings, and. I'm like, I just, I did that. I did it over and over and over again. This cannot be. And 
And yes, I had the same thing. I have Texas a bigger favorite in the Big 12 than I have Georgia in the SEC. Yeah. They're just I just have them way better than everybody in the Big 12 and I'm like can I give a couple points for the revenge factor? It's our last chance to play them. Everybody's going to be pissed off and have the target on them. And even if I give Texas like a game, a game and a half to Texas it, you know, I still have them in the Big 12 championship game. Maybe like at nine and three, but I, you know, with a, with a loss at Alabama, but I still have them in the Big 12 championship game if I'm being, no matter what I do, if I'm being honest about my numbers. And back to Penn State and Florida State, I think this time of year, uh, you know, we can all jot down Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, and Michigan. And I look at that and I think, Mark, can't you find the team that's going to break through? And so for me, I think a lot of people are are trying to be chic. Florida State's mm-hmm. a chic pick. Penn State's a chic pick. Now, I'm a bigger believer in Penn State talent, mm-hmm. and I believe in their roster more than Florida State. Florida State had a lot of guys that could have gone to the NFL, come back, so the question about their program is going to extend past this season. This may be a one-year run for Florida State. They've got to recruit better. But in this particular season, they're 10-3. and three. The LSU win was legit, but that was opening night. They lost three consecutive games to three ranked teams that were good teams, but not great teams, NC State and Wake included. Their six-game run at the end of the season was against bad competition. Mm -hmm. They beat a bad Oklahoma team in a bowl game. They didn't really prove that much. Yeah, I agree with you. The the thing that if I'd be concerned if I'm Penn State is watching the second-string defensive front manhandle my offensive line in the spring. And seeing that there are several players on your defensive line on the interior that are like 280 or less and probably against nine, maybe 10, maybe even 11 teams, depending on if Ryan Day decides to remember to run the football on on that Saturday or not. It won't make a difference because of how much much better talented they're going to be at several other spots. And on defense, on the edges and in the secondary, they're going to be great. But one team where you cannot be light in the loafers in the interior – is mine. You you cannot roll out 275 pound defensive tackles like it is 1997 against Michigan. You cannot do that because if you if you get Harbaugh in a game where he he decides I don't even have to pass today he will do that. <laughs> right? He feels no he, he'll enjoy it. He feel even though he's a former quarterback he feels no pressure to pass the football. Right? So all right. we, we saw it in Ann Arbor last year. Yes, I can think of few games amongst top ten teams where one. Forget the score. Forget the Penn State had a lead based on two freakish plays, the pick six, and then the other Sean Clifford run that Michigan just manhandled them, just beat them to a pulp. Great stuff, Mark. Always good talking to you. We'll do it again in a couple weeks, brother. Take care. I appreciate it, Steve. You bet. This week's Twitter poll results, we asked you, speaking of win totals, Michigan season win total, as we were just discussing with Mark Rogers, has been set at 10.5. Are you taking the over and the under? 78% taking the over. 22% are saying under. I think the only way Michigan goes under is if J.J. McCarthy gets hurt and or Drew Aller or Drew Allar, um, we'll find out this season how it's pronounced. I've heard it both ways is ready to look like a five-star number one quarterback recruit in the country from the first start of the year. Those are the two factors. 
Which brings us to our feedback of the week. This is from ABT20 or at GoBlueD1 holding up a sign of Juwan Howard saying, fire me after I pointed out following the NBA draft. You know, you only play five players in college basketball at a time. And Michigan had two top 15 picks and an All-American among those three. And, and even more so, they were spread out. Like they played different positions, the three key positions. Guard, wing, center. And couldn't even make the NCAA tournament. Lost to Vanderbilt, the NIT. I mean, I love Juwan Howard to death. That, that's maybe the worst coaching job in modern Michigan basketball history for a single season. And what in the world would John Beeline do with two top 15 picks and an All-American? I can promise you, not lose to Vandy in the second round of the NIT. I can promise you that's the case. Hell, give Tommy Amaker two top 15 picks and an All-American. He could at least maybe finally fi find a way to get to the NCAA tournament. I mean, I love Juwan to death, but that... That is one of the worst single-season coaching jobs in Michigan basketball history. And if they don't make the tournament next year, and right now I would not predict them to with the state of the roster, I do think there will be a coaching change. And in general, I think, you know, barring some unforeseen circumstance, like a COVID from a few years ago, for example, barring that, I think anybody, if you can't, if you go two years in a row and can't make the tournament at Michigan, you should be fired. That's just inexcusable. You're two years in a row at Michigan, you can't be one of the 34 best Forget just, you know, being the automatic bid, winning the Big Ten tournament. Two years in a row at Michigan, with everything Michigan has at, at its disposal, you can't be one of the 34 best teams for an at-large bid. I, I just think that's inexcusable, period. And I don't want to hear about admissions. Yes, I know. NIL for basketball and all of that sucks. Recruit kids you can actually get into school. How much time has been wasted? Signing kids, they either could not qualify, you weren't sure you could get in. That's part of the job. Do your job. I love Jawan to death, but he's got to do... The job and the job next year is NCAA tournament or bust, in my view. All right, we'll come back with another episode of Michigan and Michigan podcast in two weeks. Next week, we are back here right on the exact same channel with another episode of Bigger Ten. Until then, you can like, rate, uh, five star review, subscribe, share this episode. Help us to find more Michigan fans just like you, whether you're watching right here on YouTube or listening on iTunes and elsewhere. And don't forget, you can also follow us uh, in between episodes on Twitter, at Michigan Podcast as well. Support us at patreon.com slash Michigan Podcast. Until the next time, I'm Steve Dace. Go Blue.